Hello and welcome back to the EV Life Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and I'm joined by Allison Bench, our producer. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, for our final episode. Yes, this is a special episode. This is the last episode of season two of AMA's EV yeah. Life Podcast. And we decided to do something a little bit different for this episode. Yeah, you know, we wanted this episode to be a nice um, kind of wrap up for the season and also touch on kind of some of the main things that yeah. we know everybody is interested in. Yeah. And so we had the opportunity in September to go out to AMA's car care events. So if you've been a member with AMA for a while, you know that we do these annual car care events where you can come and get your car sort of checked up. Uh, It's a 30-point inspection for winter. And so Allison and I were there in Edmonton, Red Deer, and Calgary talking to people who were attending about EVs. Yeah, it was such a great opportunity for us to just be out there and meeting our members. And we met some people who had listened to the podcast and we met some people who had never heard of it. So it was a great way to connect and, and hear directly what people are wondering about EVs. Yes. Yeah. So that's what we we really wanted to find out what questions people had about EVs. And because obviously we want to bring you content that you're interested in hearing. And so what better way to do that than to just get out and talk to our members and and hear what's on their minds when it comes to EVs. Yeah. And so when we were at these car care events, uh, we had our portable recorder with us and we, as members would come by our booth, we gave them the opportunity to ask a question that they maybe want us to answer on the podcast. Yeah. So how about we take a listen to our first question? And this one comes from Rob at our Edmonton car care event. Hi, my name is Rob. I'm at the AMA Edmonton event. Um, my question is, what are the concerns or issues that I might experience with an EV in winter in living in Edmonton and in Canada? So the short answer to that question is yes, you will see some range loss in winter. Uh, but driving around cities in day to day, like commuting to work, it it shouldn't really be noticeable. Yeah. And if you would recall, if you listened from season one, we spoke to Annette Berve with the Norwegian Auto Federation in uh, episode four. And the Norwegian Auto Federation performs EV range testing twice a year, including one in winter conditions. And that test has been conducted since 2020. So they have quite a few years of data. And they've repeatedly found that range loss really varies depending on the car, but it can be up to 32% less than the advertised range of Mm -hmm. the vehicle. Like when you buy a vehicle, it'll say the estimated range for Mm -hmm. a full charge. And so they're finding that, but you know, it says they do the 32% is kind of the max loss that they right. have. That's and the, I think the some most of them are, seen. yeah, some of them are a lot lower. Like I, I know that some of them are below 10% loss. Mm-hmm. So it really does depend on the vehicle. Um, but one tip that uh, Bervé did give us during that episode was that if you preheat your vehicle before you drive, while it's still plugged in and charging, that can be a big game changer. Right. Because again, your vehicle is pulling from that battery to heat your car up. And so if you're preheating it while it's still plugged in, then obviously once you're on the road, you're using less of the battery. Mm -hmm. Let's take a little listen to um, what kind of tips she had for that. You will really lose more range the colder it gets. So it's really important to kind of use the EV to its fullest potential, meaning that you preheat it before you drive so that you use electricity from the grid to heat up the battery, you know, heat up your driving environment so that you don't use your main battery 
on actually heating up your car. So you just preheat as much as you can. That keeps the consumption lower, meaning that you at least get a little bit more range. That was Annette Berve. And again, if you want to hear that full interview with the Norwegian Auto Federation, take a listen to season one, episode four, to hear the full interview, including NAF's cold weather EV testing and how those cars did handle the winter weather. So another topic that is really popular when it comes to EVs is the EV road trip. So let's hear this question from AMA member Colleen. I'm Colleen, and my questions about EV are, if I want to drive to Vancouver, will I have any concerns about being charged at all times? And that's probably the only place that I would do that. So we have heard from multiple EV users who've taken road trips that a Canadian road trip, whether it's going west or it's going east, is completely doable. But, you know, there is work to be done in terms of infrastructure because it's easy to find a gas station. It's not as easy to find a charging station. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll definitely have to do a bit more planning. But that said, again, we've talked to people who have gone from Edmonton to Vancouver or Edmonton to Toronto, and they've all been able to do it with very few hiccups. Um, but that said, those drives, you know, are on main highways, like very busy highways. And that's kind of where there are more chargers installed. And where people run into issues if is if you're driving in those kind of lesser traveled areas. Like I know Alberta's north has been identified as a charging desert. We have heard from many people that it, it is a bit of a, a charging desert. And in, you know, the first episode of this season, we did speak to some Alberta EV owners who do a lot of driving in their EVs. And one person in particular, Chad Irving, had this to say about his experiences on the highways with his EV. In northern Alberta, there's still a ways to go up here. Edmonton, from basically Calgary is where you get your first true supercharger that's non-Tesla. And uh, all the way to Saskatoon, all the way to Hinton, you're restricted to 50s right now. I'm really hoping that changes, and I'm hoping it changes soon. uh, Because, you know, uh, these vehicles now are capable, usually 150. Uh, My Ionic is capable of uh, 235, all the way up to 350. But if I'm going, if I'm staying north... I'm I'm slow because uh, the the charging stations are up here so far only 50 kilowatts if you're not a Tesla. So it really just depends on where you are in the province right now. Yes, if I go south to Calgary, uh, the second I hit crossroads, uh, there's a petrocan there that will pull me 235. And uh, once I hit that, it doesn't matter where I go, east or west, um, every 80 to 100 kilometers, there are supercharging stations I can fly through with my pick of where I'm charging. So again, well, right now there is some growth needed in certain areas of our province as a whole, a cross Canada trip would give you no problems. But again, it might involve some planning ahead on where you're going to stop. You could hear that full conversation with EV owners, Chad Irving and Devin Award in season two, episode one. And they both actually speak about road trips. They both have gone on EV road trips. Yeah. And you know what? In season one, we also spoke to someone else who went on a road trip with an EV, um, Jeff Cummings, who is a colleague of mine and Allison. Uh, he went on a road trip in the province with an EV in winter. Um, and so that is season one, episode 13. And he offers a really interesting perspective on 
what that was like because it was also his first time driving an EV. Mm-hmm. And he, it's, it, it's a very interesting perspective too because it's, you know, provincial mm-hmm. EV road trip. And I think a lot of people are wondering about that. Um, so, you know, that question of range and distance is one that comes up Probably a lot. one of the biggest, yeah, yeah um, biggest concerns people have. So we did also get a great question um, from Jerry down in Calgary on that. I was just wondering where we are with regards to extended distance with a new EV because I do travel down through the states and I'm hoping that I'd at some point in time be able to drive like 600 miles on a charge but that's probably not going to happen. So first off Jerry said 600 miles so that's just obviously we're Canadians that's about 965 kilometers. Yes that's quite a distance that he's hoping for but (laughs) and also with that in mind let's Let's remember that a tank of gas usually gets a vehicle about 400 miles, which is 643 kilometers of distance. So, you know, it sounds like a lot. But then when we started looking into this, if you look at some of the latest models of EV range estimates, we're actually not as far off as Jerry's question might have sounded. Really? Yeah. So I found out, um, you know, as new models of EVs are released, that range is increasing more and more as the technology improves. Mm -hmm. So this year there was a new model called the Lucid Air EV, and it estimates up to 516 miles of range, which is 830 kilometers. Which is impressive. That's a lot. (laughs) You know what I think an important thing about that too is, you know, we we talked a little bit earlier about range loss, particularly in winter, right? You can't Mm -hmm. really escape winter in Canada. So even if you are losing, say, 20% of range in your EV, it's not that bad because yes. you're you're getting so much mileage out of it anyways. Yes. Yes. Like and and you know that's the newest and most impressive model out there. Like I, that's kind of a very luxurious model, but if you look at some of the other models, like I know the Hyundai Ioniq, that's one that's very popular. Yes. And its range is estimated at 488 kilometers. Right. And then the Tesla Model S is a little bit larger. It estimates 637 kilometers. Which is still impressive. Yes. Still pretty good, right? Like I, I think that's comparable to a lot of ICE vehicles out yeah. there. Yeah. And when you look at older Tesla models, like the first Tesla had a l- less range than that. Because mm-hmm. again, as this technology is improving, so will the the range estimate. So basically the short answer to that range question is it varies, mm-hmm. but technology is always improving. And as those models are updated, their ranges will probably be updated too. Yeah. And now let's talk about <laughs> this hot topic, which is Alberta's electric grid. Mm-hmm. So we got a really great question from Leo in Red Deer about this. So let's hear what Leo wanted to ask. I'm Leo from Red Deer. I'm just wondering about the grid. Will it be able to handle all of this new demand that we'll have on our electricity? So that's such a great question and one that we've talked about quite a bit on EV Life. Yeah. Do you think that's probably the most asked question? Like, I think it's between, it's maybe a tie between range and um, the grid, the power range grid. Range and the grid. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. like, as the two biggest concerns that people seem to have when it comes to EVs? I think that honestly, yeah, it's the grid comes up. And even when we were in the at these car care events yeah. in person, you know, we were there and we were chatting with people because we, we have some questions recorded, but some people we just had conversations mm-hmm. with. And the grid came up a like lot. multiple times every 
every day that we were doing this. So, um, you know, we have delved into the electric grid and questions about that a few times in these last two seasons of EV Life. Yeah. And in season one, episode nine, we spoke with Chris Chapelsky, the senior manager of EPCOR's grid transformation. And he explained how the utility is in constant planning when it comes to changes in demand. So let's listen to what Chris had to say. What we're looking at um, in EPCOR is well, how much additional electrical load does that place on the system and do we, do we need to make any changes or not? So um, right now, we do support charging. Um, people charge their vehicles uh, in the city of Edmonton. Um, as people adopt more EVs, we'll see that electric load slowly grow. And, you know, this is what we do as an electric utility is we track how much load is, is being served by the power system continually evaluating, you know, is the Mm. infrastructure sufficient, then make plans to upgrade if we need to. Um, So the kind of growth um, in the electric load that we anticipate from EVs isn't something that's abnormal in the history of the power system. So what Chris basically saying is that, you know, EPCOR is looking ahead and prepping for this adjustment this in demand for the grid. Um, EPCOR is just one utility. And so we wanted to make sure or hear from other utilities Mm -hmm. as well. So we also spoke to a representative from another company at co during this season, season two, episode five, where we spoke to senior engineer, Will York, and he explained how planning is going at that organization. So let's hear what Will had to say. We're looking into things like demand side management, like smart EV charging, like behavioral things like educating the customers that, hey, you don't need to charge your electric vehicle between the hours of you know 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. when residential circuits are actually the most loaded. And so, you know, we think that um, some combination of applying all these solutions will help us, you know, defer the capital investments that will be required to upgrade the grid. Um, and, you know, when you talk about places like uh, like California, you know, every electricity system is different. So it's, it's hard to take what's happening there and saying, oh, it'll happen here. One thing I, I do want to say about electric grids is that since they were created, they've always been growing. If you look at homes that were built, you know, in the early days, they had very small electrical panels because people didn't, you know, have many electrical devices. And then you saw, you know, the introduction of electric furnaces and air conditioners. And then all of a sudden we have 60 amp panels in the 50s and 60s. And then by the 70s and 80s, we have 100 amp panels become commonplace. And now today you see 100 amp and even 200 amp is becoming more common. So, you know, our electricity demand has always grown with our, you know, our quality of life and technological advances So as you can tell from both of these responses, you know, utility companies are working on planning ahead, right? You know, in that episode with Chris, he kind of mentioned like things don't happen overnight, Mm -hmm. right? It's, It's a process. And as more and more people start adopting EVs, the utilities companies will be making those adjustments to make sure that they can meet the demand. And there might be some growing pains, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to be like one day we wake up and everyone has an EV and our grid is going to be overwhelmed. No, it was very clear that that is not the situation. Essentially, I would say what we have learned speaking to all these companies and organizations any anything, anyone, any entity that is involved in the EV scene, they're all trying to get ahead of where we're at. So everybody's looking a decade, two decades down the line, like what are we planning for? And so I would say the information that we're getting from these utilities is that 
they're they're planning and yeah. they're not worried. Yes. We like Allison mentioned, we spoke to multiple utility companies and none of them really seem to be worried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's reassuring. Yeah. yeah, it's comforting. So let's go to one final question, and this one is from Nazir in Calgary. I'd like to also hear about what will happen with the batteries eventually and what options are going to be available. So that is a question I love because we have a great episode that's all about that very topic. Yeah, we do. In season two, episode 11, we spoke with environmental engineer Maria Kelleher, who researches the future of EV battery recycling in Canada. Mm -hmm. And that one was such an important episode for us because, again, we're talking about all these topics that come up again and again. And the battery recycling. Yeah, that's a huge one. Yes, people wonder about and like what exactly will happen to these EV batteries. And so again, in that episode with Maria, she goes into details about how the metals in the batteries are so in demand that there's no way that we're just going to let them go to waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the industry is already preparing for that first round of EV batteries that will need to be recycled. Because keep in mind that most people have just started adopting EVs in the last five years, likely even less. So most EV batteries aren't ready to be recycled no, yet. Because, they can last up to 20 years. Right. Because they're much like car engines for your ICE vehicle, right? They're really made with the intention that they should last the lifetime of mm-hmm. the vehicle. Yeah. But let's hear a little bit from Maria, that interview we had with her on how that planning is going in Canada. We do have the recyclers. We have two companies that reuse and recondition and repurpose electric vehicle batteries today in Canada, one in Montreal or outside Montreal and one in BC. So I think what needs to happen um, is happening. The governments are watching electric vehicle batteries. They're doing a lot of research on what's the best way to regulate the management of these batteries. We were so happy that we were able to meet so many of our members this uh, September and connect with them on EVs and just kind of chat about the podcast. But before we let you go for the season, we do have one additional interview we wanted to share. Yeah. So alongside the AMA car care events that we attended was also an additional EV event in Leduc this fall, which was hosted by the Municipal Climate Change Action Center. Uh, We had them as guests on season one of the podcast Mm -hmm. as well. So they're very involved in the scene. Um, And so while we were there, we were doing kind of the same thing we did at car care, just meeting people and chatting about EVs and hearing questions and letting them know what AMA is doing in that scene. Um, But we also met a very interesting man who is also an AMA member. His name is Howard and he has a very unique perspective. Yes, very unique. I'd say like a perspective I haven't like I haven't heard before. So he's a proud Tesla owner and he lives rurally. Mm -hmm. Um, But what was interesting about um, Howard is he owns a large collection. Mm -hmm. He's a car car collector. He's a car collector, right, of ICE vehicles. But I, I think he mentioned about four or five years ago he just wanted a Tesla mm-hmm. and it was uh, the only new vehicle that he's ever bought because yes. he likes to buy these antique, vintage, yeah. vintage collectible cars. So and he loved, he loved his Tesla. Like, yes. he, yeah. So while we were chatting with Howard, we thought it was such a good opportunity to hear that perspective of, you know, a car lover who has traditionally loved ICE vehicles, mm-hmm. who lives rurally and now has a Tesla. So I had a little chat with Howard. Um, let's take a listen to that conversation. So um, we're here at an event in Leduc for EVs, and I'm speaking to an EV owner. Can you tell me your first name and um, what EV you have? Okay, my name is Howard, and I have an 
Model 3 Tesla. I've had it four and a half years now. And it looks to be about the best vehicle I've ever owned. It uh, works very well. I keep it on the farm. I live uh, about 20 minutes from Leduc in the country. And I've driven it at minus 31 to Leduc and back. And there was no issues. And it does everything I wanted to do. It's my daily driver. And uh, I love the car. So you live rurally. Do you find that like your neighbors or people you know, were, do they ever say anything to you? Or do you have a lot of like naysayers who have kind of asked you questions about it? Well, I've taken my neighbor uh, across the road into Leduc to pick up his truck. And he's not an EV lover, but he thought it was okay. Uh, there hasn't been too many naysayers uh, in the district where I live, but people in town that I've talked to have said, oh, no, no, they like the noise, they like the sound of diesel and gas, and I said, well, I like something that's quiet. So there's a matter of opinion, but the car does everything I want it to do, and I've driven down to Lacombe self-driving, and it works very well. I've driven to Westlock. I haven't been to BC yet with it, but you can drive now. There's enough stations along the way that you can drive from here to Vancouver on the Yellowhead. You can drive on the number one. You've been able to do that for a while. Yeah, and I think you mentioned earlier, can you tell me a little bit about your kind of charging habits? Like, where do you charge your vehicle? Oh, yes, I put in a, a stove plug, which is all you need on the Tesla, and that's 220 charging, so it's level two and when i get home i just plug it in and it's ready to go in the morning and it's never been an issue it's never thrown a breaker uh it just works so well and it, the cost to charge it is not very much it's costing me probably 40 dollars a month 45 in the summer and uh, i drive about 750k per month so my power bill went up about 40 to 45 dollars a month that's it in winter it is more yes what did you drive before you had your tesla well i have a pickup truck and i was using that i also drive a rolls royce and that's my everyday car if i need a rolls royce but uh, the tesla when i bought the tesla uh it just i didn't have to drive the truck into town for groceries anymore i i filled up well i didn't even fill my truck up i put a hundred dollars in it came up to three quarters and that's terrible the cost of fuel now compared to driving an electric car is there's no comparison but for some people the running out of power it could be an issue so you got to think about that is there anything else you wanted to add about electric vehicles or your experience that we haven't already talked about well it does everything so nicely it's just you get in and you're part of the car. It just seems like it's so easy to drive and it it works so well that I I don't know. It's 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 just a very good car. Well, we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode and joining us for another season of the EV Life podcast. Yes, we have been so happy to be here with our listeners and bring you all these great interviews and 
It's been so informative for us too to chat with all these organizations here in Alberta and beyond on what's happening in the EV scene. Yeah, and even though we're wrapping up this season, that doesn't mean that the conversation needs to end. We do have an EV Life community on the AMA mobile app, and Allison and I are very active in there, along with so many other Albertans who have questions about EVs or some of them even own EVs and they want to share what their experiences have been like. So make sure you connect with us there. You just download the AMA mobile app uh, anywhere you get your apps and join us in the group. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this season of AMA's EV Life podcast. Thank you.